Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. That's what it takes to write the book you want to write. It's also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true, people. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing, craft and business of writing, also the writing life, just what it is to live as a creative person and all the challenges we have. Also, video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors of all genres. Up there now, my brand new interview with Kim Hornsby. Kim Hornsby's got uh, kind of a romantic suspense writer. Uh, I believe she's got some uh, Hallmark movies coming out. One, maybe two? I don't know. She's had a lot of success recently. But here's the thing about Kim. It's a true story. She didn't start writing until she was almost 50. Yep, it's true. Now, almost 10 years later, whatever it is, uh, she's got a movie coming out. Listen, it's really never too late to start. I believe it's true. It's never too late. I don't, it just isn't. It just isn't, people. Anyway, it's a great conversation. Check it out at authormagazine.org. Authormagazine.org. And of course, we're funded by the fabulous Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Now, today's guest, uh, as I will explain, has a special connection to the PNWA. They have a conference every year. They have a contest every year, uh, a, a writing contest for unpublished works, uh, a contest that has launched a few careers, as a matter of fact. But also, we in the last few years, we started something called the Nancy Pearl Award, Nancy Pearl, oh, Nancy All. if you know, if you're from the Northwest, she's the rock star librarian. Well, giving an award in her honor, we do fiction, nonfiction. I think we've got four categories now. This is for published works. Pretty, it's getting to be a fairly prestigious award, and today's guest was one of its winners from last year. That's the PNWA. So it's a good contest. It's a good conference. It's worth checking out. You can learn about it, pnwa.org. Yes, you can. I hope you all... I was off last week, wasn't I? Yes, I was, if you're keeping score. It was Thanksgiving, and so I gave thanks. If you're not into that sort of thing, if you're not into Thanksgiving, we didn't do it last year, you know? We didn't. No, nope, not really. Just had a little, just the three of us, my wife, my my youngest son and I, and eh, we didn't feel it. But to this year, we did. My son, other son came up, and my mother-in-law, and it, we, we had, it was fine. It was good. So I hope you had a good one, too. You know, my wife, she made a good, what we did is we, first, we panicked about the turkey, in the morning, we got all the panicking right out of the way, and then everything was fine. So that's what I recommend. You're gonna, if you're going to panic, do it first, just do it right away, freak out, and then you make it, and it's fine. And that's what we did. So, But now I'm back. Back for more before the Christmas and New Year break. I'm going to break again. But I'm here now, and I'm here with Mr. Peter Curtis. Yes, I am. Peter was born in Slovakia in 1937. He grew up in England, studied medicine in London. Always interested in people's lives as in their, or as interested in people's lives as in their ailments, he wrote and published short stories about his country practice. And after he and his family moved to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where he was a professor of family medicine, he began to write the story of what his parents, grandparents, and he went through in the great and tragic dislocation of World War II. His novel, this became a trilogy, the second of which was Cafe Budapest which won first place in that Nancy Pearl Award, the Nancy Pearl Award. And Pavel's War, the third in that trilogy, just came out last week. How about that? Yeah, that's pretty good. 
Peter's with us now. Hey, Peter. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you very much. Well, okay. So you've had an interesting life, Peter. You've, uh, you, you, you studied in London, and it was medicine early on. That was, that, was that the, a passion of yours? Did you fall into it? Why medicine? Uh, well, um, I suppose I was programmed to go into medicine. Really? By my grandfather. Yeah. Um, my family uh, were refugees, and um, we're, we're also Jewish, uh, although not uh, um, traditional Jewish, we're secular. Right, right. And one of the things that lots of Jewish families do is make their sons go into medicine <laughs> because uh, uh, you can be a doctor anywhere in the world. Right. But right. If, you're, if you're a lawyer, um, you may have to relearn all the laws if you have to move to a different country. Right. So, right. so the, uh, this is one of the reasons why Jewish families choose medicine for their children. Oh, interesting. Well, particularly so I was, um, And when I was a little boy living in, in London, in England, uh, my grandfather spent, and my father was living away in Belgium. My grandfather kept on talking to me about going into medicine, so he basically programmed me. <laughs> he just he he just hypnotized you. He just kept, he just kept whispering in your ear. But look, you must have liked it enough because you can't really. I don't. I don't believe. I could be wrong, but I don't believe you can have any decent success at something if you don't have some interest in it, some personal interest right. in it. Well, one of one of the things was that uh, I, I trained. I actually went into a specialty, which uh, was rheumatology, rheumatology. joint diseases, things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then I realised I uh, I actually uh, took a six weeks off and did what we call a locum, which is a stand-in for a, a country doctor up in the yeah. north of England. Yeah. I don't know if you know that, uh, that the vet stories, all, all creatures yes. great and small. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so that was in the same area where that vet lived. Really? And, oh, cool. uh, and I actually helped him with, uh, anesthetize some of the horses and animals. And, um, that guy? I, that man himself? Uh, that man himself, yes. The very, oh, wow. How neat is that? Okay. And... Um, uh, but th- at the end of the six weeks, I realized that I, it was much more enjoyable looking after families um, than looking after knees and shoulders and elbows. Right. right. So it was the people aspect of the medicine I liked, and so I became a country, I became a country doctor. Ah, oh. Now, that's interesting, because one of the challenges, I've had this conversation with my, I don't, I don't have to spend, I've not had to spend much time in doctor's offices or hospitals, you know, knock on wood. Uh, but one of the challenges I think doctors have sometimes, sometimes is the people. I think that that's not always something that comes easy to, to the men, I think particularly the men, although maybe the women too, who go into that profession. But you were drawn to the human aspect of it. Well, yes. I think, you know, one of the, having been, been at the University of North Carolina Medical School, I was on the selection committee for students, uh-huh. and um, it seemed to me, having been in England as well, that the the Americans liked to choose very, very talented 
and clever students. Right. And those talented and clever students, in addition to having to pay a lot of money for their uh, college and so on, yeah. uh, they choose to go into specialties because um, the rewards are much greater. Yeah. Um, in England, um, 50% of all the doctors are general practitioners, family doctors. Wow. So uh, they are Is that much higher than the U.S.? Is that much oh, higher? Yeah, we are. Way, way, way higher. Oh. Oh, so they're selected okay. not so much for their brilliance, but for their uh, ability to get on with people and uh, ah. to achieve better understanding. Now and so see. they're not so ambitious as they are here. Oh, see, maybe, maybe, maybe the free market isn't always the best thing. Who knows? Just a suggestion. Just right. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it isn't going to solve all our problems. Um, well, okay, so. But you, you're interested in people's lives. You're interested in people, so you're interested in their lives. And, of course, what's interesting about being a doctor, it seems to me, is that people are coming to you in a state of some level of duress maybe or distress, maybe not a lot, but a little bit, yeah? So you're dealing with people yeah. in that place in their life. And uh, stories are based on problems. That's where they come from. Do you think there was any connection there? Well, yes, a lot of people either develop illnesses or problems as a result of stress in their life rather than a specific illness. Yeah. Uh, so an illness can be the presenting sign of, of family dysfunction or other kind of addictions, other kinds of problems. Yeah. So the whole idea is to try and get, get to the bottom of what's uh, making them unhappy and, and disturbed. Right, right. So, and... uh, you know, the, the the whole social aspect of life is mixed up with illness. Yeah, that is interesting. It's so nice. It's so refreshing to hear a doctor talking about that, the, the, root, the emotional root causes of illness. I believe in it 100%. I've seen it in my own life. Mm -hmm. um, and so, of course, and, and stories are about stress. I mean, that's, we, we put our John Irving, the, the American novelist, said the way he comes up with a story is he picks somebody, he picks a character he loves, and then thinks of the worst thing that can happen to them. And then that's what happens. Yeah. And that's his story. So at some point, you start writing short stories. Um, uh, and how, how old were you? Where along the line did that begin? Well, uh, yeah, I went to a boarding school in England, residential uh -huh. school, uh, when I, at the age of about uh, seven and a half. And my my parents had divorced during the war, the Second World War. Uh -huh. um, and this actually is part of my third book. But um, so I was, uh, I, I didn't spend much time with my my parents um, because I was sent to boarding schools all the way up to the age of about 17. Right. Wow. And, and there was a reason, the reason for that was that they wanted me to assimilate, to be assimilated right. as an Englishman. Right. Um, they, you know, this is one of the dilemmas of refugees: is how much do you keep your your original culture and language, and right. how much do you keep of your memory, versus how much do you try and assimilate into the culture you're living in? Right. right. So uh, my family decided for me, really, that they wanted me to become an Englishman. Right. And so they sent me away. 
and they sent me away because they themselves were following their own lives. It made it easier for them. Yes, my father lived in Belgium. He remarried. My mother married a, another Englishman. Right. They had their own families. Yeah. And I was kind of left in the middle. Uh, oh, perfect, perfect breeding ground for a writer, if you ask me. But uh, yes. maybe it's so, tough childhood. <laughs> so uh, when I retired in 2000, even though I'd written short stories about my practice in the country practice, Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd done some writing in school, but I had no other formal training. Right. Um, I decided to write. Uh, I had a lot of artifacts from my family, old letters, um, photographs, and actually uh, 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 part of a bomb that destroyed our apartment during what? the Second World what? War. Really? Wow. I still have that. Wow. A shell casing from a German incendiary bomb. Wow. So I thought, okay, I'm going to kind of um, go through everything I've got here in this big, big uh, box and um, maybe make some sense of it. So that's how I started. Interesting. And you decided, and you could have written a memoir, could have written a sort of family story, but you decided on fiction. Was that because you were no, so well, comfortable start, in the short stories? I started with a family uh Biography. Right. So I, I went through every member of the family and wrote as much as I could about them. But, you know, I also talked to family members um, who were still alive. And, of course, I made the usual mistake of many authors, which is not to talk to the people who you're writing about until they're dead. <laughs> right. Um, and, and then you say, why, why the hell didn't I talk to them? Right. Um, right. So um, I, I wrote a, about a 150-page biography of my family. Yeah, and you thought? And built a family tree. Oh, and okay. Then, and then I thought, well, uh, it, this, this escape, my family escaped from Prague the day the Nazis arrived in Prague. Wow, wow. Well, well actually, they didn't escape that day, but my father was, was arrested that, the day the Nazis came to Prague. Wow, and the reason he was arrested was that he was he was a he sold men's fabrics for suits, mm-hmm. and the fabrics he sold were British. <laughs> and somebody somebody um, reported him to the Gestapo as a British spy. Oh my God! <laughs> so uh, the day that they arrived, the, the Nazi troops arrived. He was arrested and put in jail. And was there for six weeks. Jeez. Well, that's a miracle he so, that he lived through that. Um, yeah. But eventually he got out. And I, that, again, that's in my first book. And we escaped uh, through uh, Hungary and then through Germany uh, on false passports until we got to France. And then in France is when Café Budapest is, uh, takes place. Yeah. But they hadn't um, uh, they hadn't invaded France yet. No, it was just before they invaded France, and oh, so okay. my family was stuck in France for a year. Oh, oh brother. Okay. Um, but of course, what happened in in the first few months of that year was that um, my father joined what was called the Free French Army, the Free Czech Army. Sorry. Mm. 
the Czech army had dissolved when the Germans arrived in Czechoslovakia sure. and reformed in the south of France, a small part oh. of it. Oh, and my father joined them. Um, he was a volunteer. Wow. And then eventually my mother came down from Paris uh, with me to join them when the Germans, I don't know if you know this, but the Germans left the southern part of France uh, without invading it. It was called Vichy. Vichy oh, that was, oh, that was the Vichy area. I was like Vichy yes. France just stood for those people who weren't. Okay, so that was the section that was, they just said, we're not going to bother with it. We leave that one. Yeah, it's a okay. complicated story. <laughs> yeah. All right, so and that's where the Czech army was. That's where the reformed Czech yeah, army so, was. So there were about 12,000 men. Wow. And my, fa- my, my father was there. They in the camp. And my mother, we lived in a tiny little village, French village. Um, and so Cafe Budapest is all about that time in France, because in Paris we were uh, we were befriended by a baker and his wife, and he was a Hungarian. They were Hungarians, which was oh, why nice. it was called Café Budapest. Right, right. And if we hadn't been befriended, we probably would have starved to death. Wow. Wow. And so you decided to write about it. Uh, when did you yeah. start writing the short stories? How old were you when you were writing the short stories? Uh, well, we kind of wrote... You know, in, in school I wrote short stories, uh-huh. uh, but I I started writing short stories, I suppose, about six or seven years after I graduated as a physician. Oh, okay. So you're still a young man, and so this was something you were yeah. always sort of doing sort of in your yeah, spare time. Yeah, when I was that... uh, 27, 28, I started. Oh, okay. And um, and were you, do- you were doing it just because you had a creative itch and... Uh, and you could and you did it while you're doing well, your practice. Well, there, there were several reasons. I, I had a very good friend um, who uh, was a doctor, and he was a writer as well. Mm-hmm. And he wrote uh, some books. But there was also a magazine uh, for doctors to write um, fiction in, or to write poems and really about medical problems. <gasps> but for doctor writers. Mm-hmm. In England, All so right. I wrote uh, several stories for the this magazine, and two of them won awards. Um, oh. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe I I'm, I'm okay as a writer. Right. And it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. So, so that, let me ask you this, because I, I agree. I just I teach a I'm teaching a class online called Fearless Writing, and I've spent the last couple of days talking to writers about fun and the need to have fun, which I think they sometimes forget. Um, a lot of people, when they think of writing, they don't think of fun. They think oh, it's hard and it work and it's a struggle. But what's the fun part for you? What's the fun part of writing for you? Uh, well, it's trying to, um, I suppose, create characters and yeah. um, have them... Uh, understand, come up with a way of understanding how they think and how they make decisions and how they react to other right. people. Right. And I suppose that's what, that's what I, why I wrote fiction for my family story, which is actually 80% true events. Right. Um, but uh, because I didn't live with my parents afterwards, 
Um, I never really understood why they made certain decisions about what to right. do during the war. Right. Um, and so I was trying to work through their minds, really, as I wrote. Why, yeah. why is my father doing this? Why is my mother doing this? Why are they angry with each other? And so on. Right. And so walk me through that moment. You, so you're, you're retired. You find you unearth or you have all this stuff from that time. And uh, you fish through it and say, I'm going to write. And so you write this 150-page family biography. But you decide, you decide what? This isn't what I wanted to do or I need something else? Why did you then move on to write fiction? Well, I, once I read through the memoir of the biography, I realized it was a hell of a good story. Yeah. And uh, there were lots of exciting things in it. So it, it, was, it had, you know, spies. It had... In, Violence. It had prison. It had escape. Um, it had love. It had sex. Uh, so I thought, well, you know, um, it would it would, might make a good novel. Yeah. And um, uh, so I thought, okay, uh, maybe people would prefer to read it as fiction rather than just a memoir. It's right. And, and if you if you write it as fiction, you can write dialogue. Well. <laughs> you can write it. You can dialogue. write dialogue and memoir too, but you just have to make it up just like you would in fiction. I can tell you. Yes. That. Well, so writing dialogue gave character to to the people, to the protagonists yeah. and the, yeah. the enemies, and so on. Sure. And so um, I thought, okay, uh, I'll see what it's like um, if I write it as fiction. Yeah. So I I wrote it, and it was uh, eight hundred pages long. <laughs> that a little bit, and that's when you said I got to break this up. Yeah, so I said, okay, well, it does, it, it does break up logically into three different countries, really. Right. So it's like an odyssey. Yeah. Um, and they start out with the arrest and everything like like that in um, in in Czechoslovakia, then Germany. The second book's in France, and the third book's in England until the end of the war. Right, right. And so, and so, what uh, you've been writing short stories, but short stories and novels very different. And uh, what were the challenges you faced when you worked in the long form? What was the thing you really had to learn to do? Well, if any? Um, uh, you know, I suffered from. I'm not a good, particularly. I don't think I'm a very good writer naturally. Okay. And I, I joined two critique groups here in Seattle, for instance, Ooh. who have been inc- incredibly helpful. Yeah. And uh, I've been going to those groups for the last uh, six years, and they've really sort of cut me down to size. <laughs> Ooh. You could handle that. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Oh. Um, and. Um, then I, you know, I have some obviously bad habits which uh, people can pick on, and my wife Carolyn has been is also a very tough critic. She uh, reads yeah. a lot, yeah. and I I started reading a lot more. Hmm. Um, you know, I used to read just medical journals because I had to keep up sure. with uh, you know advances and so on. I never had much time to read fiction or anything else while I was a physician. Right. 
But, um, yeah. Medical journals aren't very helpful for fiction, I wouldn't think. No, no. <laughs> a little and, dry. Um, I was, I was in, in, the, in the medical school, the academic setting, and I was doing research. So I had to spend my time reading all this research stuff. Sure, sure. <laughs> and so what, uh, when you started reading, what was really helpful to you? Can you remember some books that really helped you? I, I will tell you, like when I was – I wanted to be a writer. That was it. That was all my life. But I remember mm-hmm. reading T.S. Eliot's Love Song in Jail for Proof Rock when I was 17. And I literally said, oh, you can do that. And by that, I meant this fine sort of poetry and simplicity and almost conversational poetry. And it really just changed the way I wrote kind of almost overnight. Uh, did, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to have that kind of experience, but do you know, were there certain writers that really helped in your self-education? Well, I suppose, uh, you know, the classics, Hemingway and um, some of the uh, James and some of the English classics. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't say I I, uh, have a very good memory. You know, I'm I'm 83 now, so a bit difficult to remember what I read at the beginning. Right, right. Um, well, so, okay, so you did the, so you've been doing the, the, uh, so you really took it on. You, you've joined a critique group. Very brave. That's good. It's good. It's a good critique group, I guess, because sometimes they, sometimes it can be not so good, but you found the people are encouraging enough and as well as critical. No, they're encouraging. Uh, no, they're terrific. Terrific group. Good. And they're very straightforward, honest. And um, I must say, I'm, I was pretty honest too with their work. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you know, turnabout's fair play. Um, all right, and so and now, Cafe Bur- Now, oh, no, excuse me. It, uh, Pavel's War has just come out. Um, yes. And are you going to be talking to people about it? You're going to go around and do some of the author things. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I've got some um, presentations. Usually, I don't do readings. I I have a slideshow. Uh, right. Right. I talked through a slideshow showing photographs, relevant photographs of those of the time of the book, and yeah. also um, other things like that. So a bit like what we're talking about today, the background. Yeah. And um, yeah. I'm giving a talk at the Central Library, I think, in January, and University Bookstore in Seattle. Yeah. Oh, and good. Third Place Books. Here in so, Seattle, uh, or up in yep, up in the, the one in Lake Forest Park. Lake Forest Park, yes, that'll be yeah. in um, January, I think. That is excellent. Okay, now if people are interested, um, and they want to go to one of these talks, do you have them listed somewhere? Do you have a website? Uh, yes, uh, I do have a website. Do you want to know what it is? Sure, we would love to know. Well, it's PeterCurtisAuthor.com. All right, Peter Curtis. Author.com. Good. And so you've and got your. Be public, and you've got your. You've got event, your uh, Eventbrite as well. Good. And uh, if they want to buy the book, what's the best way to buy the book? Amazon, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Good old Amazon. Uh, all right. Well, well, well so. Good, all right, so <laughs> well, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, what else is there? Let's see. So you're uh, okay. So this is out. So uh, the trilogy's over. Do you you, you got some more stories in you? Well, yes, I do have one that I'm working on. It's all about um, a month I spent in Russia in 1997. Ooh! Oh, right when 
that was when things were starting to oh to turn it was interesting Pull interesting up, time up, in Russia. Up. Yeah. Oh, yes, very it's good. A, it, and it's a uh, kind of espionage uh, story uh, which deals with uh, a, a city called Saratov where they made all the poisons, strategic poisons for the Russian army. Nice. Oh, um, well, fascinating. Well, good, good. I'm glad there are more stories to come. Uh, all right, yeah. but I am not done with you. Oh, first of all, I should say uh, 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 let every, uh, congratulations before I let you go on the Nancy Pearl Award. That must have been very exciting. Thank you. Um, must have been very – well, anyway, because you got a lot of stiff competition, but you won. Well done. Uh, I have one more question for you, however, before I let you go. Yep. And what I'd, like, what I'd like you to do is finish this sentence – if writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Say that again. <laughs> if writing, if writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Uh, I would say humility. <sighs> yes. Oh, it's good. You got to be humble. That's true. Well, that's fabulous, right. Peter. Thank you so much for coming on the show and congratulations on the books and the award and uh, just everything else that's coming. Okay. And thanks for being a good host. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Okay. Bye. Yes. Humil people, you know, Peter is right. Humility. You got to be humble. Got to be humble because uh, I'll tell you, I feel like I opened the door. And then I let the stuff in. But I It's my job to open the door, but I'm not really, really in charge of what comes in once the door is open. But I do have to open it. But you got to be humble and say thank you to whoever it is that lets the stuff in. The good stuff. Uh, well, so there you go. I'm going to be back again next week with, oh, an interesting fellow. Uh, well, you'll find out about it next week when I post it. Until then, I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you so much. To all of you out there, go find something you love and do it. <laughs>